Well, hey there, welcome to Hillside Missionary Church Online. We're so excited that you're joining us here today. And we truly believe that we are not on your screen by accident, but that God is intentionally trying to grow his relationship with you, no matter where you stand with him today. And we're here to help. So here's a huge welcome to Hillside Missionary Church Online. Ever be on my lips 
amen. Hey, we're going to continue our sermon series in Luke today. We're going to be in chapter 4, and we're going to finish out the rest of this chapter finally. I know we've been in here for a number of weeks, but it's just really been good to look at Jesus' early, early ministry. Remember, this is before he's even called his disciples, these last couple weeks that we've been talking about. And before we go any further, I just want to let you know this sermon is heavily dependent on last week's sermon. So if you haven't looked at Luke week 6 yet, I'm sorry, Luke week 7, Luke week 7 yet, although I really encourage you to look at all of them. If you haven't seen Luke week 7 yet, this is week 8, if you haven't seen that one, I really encourage you to go back there, watch it, listen to it, however you're finding this, uh, because this is really a continuation of what has just happened. If you remember last week, and this is kind of the first appearance that we see Jesus, his public appearance anyways, for his ministry in the, in, in, uh, the gospel of Luke here, but he went to this synagogue, and this was the one in his hometown, and people literally started like pushing him out and tried to kill him because of what he said. He's going to continue on in a different town, a different synagogue here, and we're going to look at different people's reaction of him. So if you could, open up your Bible to Luke chapter 4, wherever you're finding that, whether it's in a paper Bible or it's on the YouVersion Bible app. If you are on that YouVersion Bible app, really encourage you. Take a look at the More tab, then Events, find us, Hillside Missionary Church, and follow us along there. It's going to uh, give you all of the resources you need, such as the uh, sermon outline and the reflection questions. And again, we really encourage you to use those reflection questions. We don't want to just be people who just you know watch church online or listen online or even show up to in-person church and then leave completely unaffected. You know, we want for Jesus to transform the very nature of who we are. And by looking at his word, we believe that's possible. But we have to allow Jesus to do that. We have to allow Jesus to transform us. So take a look at those reflection questions at the end of the sermon today. If you could discuss it with uh, whoever you're watching this with. Maybe you're watching or listening to this uh, with your spouse or with a family member or with a friend. Feel free to discuss it with those people. Uh, feel free to discuss it with uh, someone else. Maybe someone else who's watching it but uh, isn't with you or whatever. If you need someone to uh, talk about these things with uh, with you. We'd love to get you involved in our small group program happening online right now. Uh, we, we'd love to get you involved because we really truly believe that's a great way to continue to grow in your faith. Hey, Luke chapter 4 starting in verse 31. This is what it says. And he, referring to Jesus, went down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and he was teaching them on the Sabbath. And they were astonished at his teaching for his word possessed authority. And in the synagogue, there was a man who had a spirit of an unclean demon. And he cried out with a loud voice, Ha! What have you to do with this Jesus of Nazareth? I don't know why. I just feel like demons should have that voice. Have you come here to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent. Come out of him. When the demon had thrown him on, uh, in the, their midst, he came out of him, having done him no harm. And they were all amazed and said to one another, What is this word? For, for what authority and power he commands unclean spirits? And they come out. Reports about him went into every place in the surrounding region. And he arose and left the synagogue and entered Simon's house. Now, Simon's mother-in-law was ill with a high fever. And they appealed to him on her behalf. And he stood over her, rebuked the fever, and it left her. And immediately she rose and began to serve them. Now the sun was setting. All those who had any who were sick with various diseases brought them to him. And he laid his hands on every one of them and healed him. 
And demons also came out of many, crying, You are the Son of God! But he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak, because they knew that he was the Christ. And when it was day, he departed and went into a desolate place. And the people sought him and came to him and would have kept him from leaving. But he said to them, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well. For I was sent for this purpose. And he was preaching in the synagogues of Judea. We're going to talk about what this means. Uh, if you're anything like me, you know, you kind of read through this stuff and, you know, you look at little story and little story and little story and you just kind of keep moving on. But these are really, really important stories here uh, in Jesus' early ministry to really, really get a glimpse of why Jesus came in the first place. So if you could, pray with me, and uh, let's just ask God to soften our hearts to whatever it is that He would have for us today as we dive in here. Jesus, we thank you so much for uh, your word. We thank you so much for everything you've done for us, for the access of, of, of your word that we have, uh, probably more than any other generation on the face of the planet, God. That we could just pull up an app and we could read your word. God, we thank you for that. And would you allow this to transform our lives? We want to hand our lives over to you, Jesus, and glorify you with everything that we've got. And we know in order to do that, we have to allow ourselves to be transformed by you. So help us to do that. Soften our hearts to whatever it is that you have for us today. Jesus, whatever it is, whether you know it'd be something you're calling us to or calling us away from a conversation that we might have uh, God's uh, maybe uh, getting rid of an old sinful habit God whatever it is I pray that you give us the wisdom and the courage and the strength to do what it is that you're calling us to do God as we said earlier we don't want to just be Christians who show up to online church or in-person church or whatever and leave completely unaffected we want to be truly transformed by who you are, Jesus. Help us to do that today. It's in your precious life-saving name we pray. Amen. Hey, I want to do something a little bit differently than we uh, normally do. As I said, this story is very similar to what happened earlier last week, and it's very dependent on what happened last week. So last week we saw, as I mentioned earlier, these people in the synagogue, they hated what Jesus said, and they uh, pushed him out and tried to kill him. These people react very differently. Now, they're not stellar, right? They don't like instantly get it and are like, oh man, Jesus, you are the son of God. Help us. We, you know, we, we want to be saved by you and transformed by you. Like that would be a stellar response. We don't see that, but we can still learn from these people's responses. So uh, here's what I want to do today. Last week I entitled the message, How to Not Get Christianity Wrong. And I've heard from several people, a lot of really good feedback from a lot of you just saying, man, you know, that really resonated with me. I really feel like, you know, there's just a lot of people right now who are getting Christianity wrong. And I, you know what? I 100% agree with you. If you look at the comment section on Facebook, I mean, come on. I mean, if you don't think that people are getting Christianity wrong, I mean, go there, please. I mean, and, and you'll get it instantly. I mean, people are just filled with hate. A lot of Christians are really fixated and focused on some kind of weird end times issues. Um, I know Christians who are saying, you know, the COVID vaccine, um, you know, it's, uh, it's the mark of the beast, 666, and they're, you know, doing all kinds of crazy things to prove it and you know it's just if you're anything like me like those things always feel funky and you're always like you know I just don't feel like I like that's represented in scripture that Jesus called us to be that way and it just feels off and when we read these stories early on in Jesus's ministry 
I think it's evident that Jesus is saying, hey, I am here to save people. And that our focus has to be that same thing. It can't be these self-centered things. And it can't be fixated on these kind of weird, odd issues. Like it's got to be focused on why Jesus came in the first place. To offer salvation to every single person. And we talked a lot about that last week. How Jesus came to offer salvation to everyone. Including, right, those people who we really, really don't get along with. Who maybe we really dislike. And if we're honest with each other, we really hate. That's a really sad reality, but it's true. And a lot of Christians are really focused and fixated on like hating people and, and, and proving people wrong and, you know, just saying, I'm going to disprove your point and uh, I'm, I'm just solely focused on your political point or your point about COVID or your point about mask or whatever. And it's just like, man, I, I just, I don't see that focus in God's word here. And so today, here's what I want to do. I want to do, uh, uh, we had points one, two, and three last week. I want to do points four, five, and six of how do you not get Christianity wrong? Because if we look here, I think there's several examples of Jesus saying, hey, this is what I came here for. Here's the first one here in verse 34 of our story. And it's actually what the demon says, right? So Jesus, he shows up and he's teaching in the synagogue. And this is the Sabbath day. So there's probably quite a few extra people there. And this guy, even though he's possessed by a demon, shows up to the synagogue. And he's hearing Jesus teach, but he's possessed by a demon. And so this demon is like calling out Jesus. And he's saying, ha, what have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? I can almost hear like the, the sass in his voice. Jesus of Nazareth. I know who you really are, right? Like you are the Holy One of God. Now, you may say, okay, like this is kind of weird, right? Like um, here's a demon and he's acknowledging who Jesus is, that he is the Holy One of God. And later on uh, in our story, multiple demons do this and Jesus actually stops them from calling him out of who, for who he is. And it's kind of a weird situation. You might say, okay, first of all, like demons know Jesus? Like that's, that's kind of strange, right? And then second of all, like why does Jesus, like why does he like stop them, right? Like, I mean, he could just say, yeah, I, I am Jesus. See, you see, he didn't want to be called out by them. He wanted to teach people his own way. And the demons are trying to distract that from happening here which is why Jesus just completely shuts it down. But I think we learned something from this. And that's that this demon had the intellectual knowledge of who Jesus is. Like the demon, right? I mean, think about this. Like one of Satan's minions, one of the fallen angels, right? Like this is not a good guy, right? A demon knows who Jesus is. I think that we can get Christianity wrong. I think we can get it wrong by turning our faith purely into intellectual knowledge. And here's why. The demons know who Jesus is. And if you don't believe me, James chapter 2 points this very point out. He says, you believe that God is one. Great, you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. He's essentially saying, hey, listen, I get it. Yeah, you believe it. You say you believe Jesus is the only way to heaven, right? He's the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him, right? John 14, 6. Great. I'm glad that you get that. I'm really, I'm really, I'm just, I'm, I'm just over the moon. Um, yeah, but uh, guess what? Intellectual knowledge and words, not enough. Not enough to get you into heaven. 
The problem is many of us, many of us, sorry, I'm not ready for that uh, scripture quite yet. Uh, Many of us have gotten to the point where our faith is merely an intellectual exercise, right? Like we stand around to people and we bicker over very minute points of theology and uh, we, we like get in arguments uh, with people. I know, man, like so many people who have gotten into arguments about end times things. Right? And they're saying, uh, like, uh, I bet you're a post-trib person, huh? Yeah, you're a post I'm a pre. I can't, pff, you're a her- heretic if you think you're a post. <laughs> right? Like, and like people have asked me this, like, Josh, what, are you like post, mid, pre-trib? Like, what are you? And I go, you know what? I don't know. Like, I'm going to be completely honest with you. I'm a pastor, yes, and I don't know. Because I just truly think that's not the point of the book of Revelation. I think the point of the book of Revelation is to say, hey, first and foremost, look at this amazing scene that we get of all of the heavenly hosts praising God and God wanting that to happen for every single person. But not every single person will make that choice. So here's the fire under your seat, if you will. Get on it. Get telling people about Jesus, right? And that's, I think, Jesus' point in this whole story. Like at the end, people are trying to tell him, oh, no, stay, we need you to do more things for us. And Jesus is like, hey, like I got to go tell people about me, right? I got to go spread the kingdom of God into all these other cities here. Like you, don't, like you don't get it. I'm here for everyone. And yet we, all, all, all too often, we make our faith just in this purely intellectual knowledge, right? And we sit around at Bible studies, and we like do cross references and we point things out culturally and you know we look at things and 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 we go oh look at this and this ties together and this ties together right and that's great i'm i'm not demeaning any intellectual knowledge we absolutely need it and without it we really drift astray and so i i don't want to demean it at all but scripture has to affect our life and quite frankly jesus asks us for more than just our brains take a look When he's asked, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus literally responds by saying, hey, you need to love God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Like, in other words, everything. Like, everything that you are made of. Love God with everything in in your very being. Everything that you are. You need to love God. Which means that we need to love God with more than just our brains. Yes, that's a very big part of what Jesus is saying here, right? Yes, with all your mind at the last, uh, last word of verse 37, right? But that's not it. Like it's everything in you, which means our faith cannot just be an intellectual exercise. And when we look at God's word, it's got to penetrate further than just like our skull, right? It's got to go further than just our brain. It's got to go into our hearts, Hebrews chapter 4 paints this beautiful picture. It says the word of God is living, it's active, it's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing the division of soul and spirit and the joints of marrow and discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. Guys, that's what God's word is designed to do. It's designed to get you in a saving relationship with Jesus and for you to be transformed by him. Like that is the main goal of scripture, not so that you can cross-reference everything and be the smartest person in the room and pull pull verses out of your back pocket all the time, right? Again, that's good if you can do that. That's amazing. I dedicate a lot to studying God's word because it's very important. 
But our faith is more than an intellectual exercise. It's more than purely knowledge. Our faith has to, has to, has to be truly giving God everything that we have, not just our brains. Look what happens next. After Jesus uh, kicks this demon out of this guy, it says that all were amazed and said to one another, What is this word? For with authority and power he commands the unclean spirits, and they come out. And it says that the reports about him went into every place in the surrounding region. Here's what's really interesting. In this time, there were actually people who were going around and who were exercising demons out of people. They were kicking demons out of people, and uh, it actually worked. And they had this like formula. They would do these things, they would jump through these hoops, and they would say these magic words, and they would spread the fairy dust, and the magic dragon would come out. That's a little bit of an exaggeration, right? But like they would have these rituals that they would go through, and it would kick out the demon out of people. And so what would happen is when Jesus comes into this synagogue, he came into this synagogue here, and what happens is he has this demon, and he just kicks him out, and he says, hey, get out of them. And in essence, he says, hey, leave, silent, get out. In other words, hey, get the heck out of here, right? Like that's what he's saying. And when, the, when he does this, it's really interesting, the demon just shudders and he gets out and he just leaves. And people are amazed at this. And look at this. If you look at verse 36, he says, what is this word? What is this word? He, he has this authority. He has this authority over him. And it's really interesting that people are amazed at this. You see, what they've done is they've turned this very spiritual thing of what Jesus wants to do for every single one of us, right? Which is to rid us of our uncleanness and to make us clean. And he's just saying, hey, I do that. I'm Jesus, right? I, I have the authority to do this. He's replacing this ritual with himself. But so many of us, we, we, do, well, we don't have that replaced in our lives. You see, many of us boil our faith down into rituals. We boil our faith into just saying, you know what, I'm going to go to church on Sunday mornings. Jesus has uh, my heart on Sunday mornings from uh, 10 a.m. to noon, and then I eat lunch, and then things are back to normal. Right? Like so many of us, we, we boil things down to, uh, I pray before meals, and uh, I check the box that I am a Christian, and that's good enough. Right? And again, what does Jesus ask us of us? When, he's, when he said, when, when people ask him, hey, what is the greatest commandment? He says, I want all your heart, soul, mind, and your strength. I want every part of who you are, not just Sunday mornings, not just rituals. I want every part of you. In 1 Samuel chapter 15, there's this uh, really interesting story. There's this guy named Saul. He's the first king of Israel ever. And what happens is he's commanded to do uh, this thing where he's you know, commanded to wipe out everything. He doesn't do it. He keeps the best for himself. And then the prophet Samuel comes in and he has these famous words in 1 Samuel chapter 15. By the way, like we don't have time to get into all the nitty gritty of this story, but I really encourage you on your own time, look at 1 Samuel chapter 15. It's really interesting. But Samuel rebukes Saul and he says, Has the Lord as a great a delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than to sacrifice and to listen than the fat of rams. 
He's essentially saying, hey, listen, God wants way more than sacrifice. He wants your heart. Like he wants a relationship with every single one of us. And think about any relationship that you may have. You know, maybe it's with a, a friend or with a spouse. But think about, you know, if, if all you did were rituals. Like if all I did uh, for my wife, Tammy, is I would come home and I say, hey, babe, I love you. And I give her a big kiss on the lips. And that's the only time I ever talk to her. And like she would like try and talk with me and say, oh, sorry, it's not like when I first came home. Like we can't talk right now, right? Like she would be really mad at me, right? And reasonably so, right? Because that's not how you have a relationship with someone. How you have a relationship with someone is by having this open communication and saying, hey, like we could talk all the time. And that's what God wants from every single one of us. Like, that's what God wants from us. He doesn't want just these empty rituals. He wants this, like, loving relationship where we can talk with each other, like, all the time. Jesus, in his uh, Sermon on the Mount, this is, like, the most famous sermon he ever gives, in Matthew uh, 5 through 7, at the end, he gives this example. He says, On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, cast out demons in your name, and do mighty works in your name. And he'll go on to say, yeah, but I didn't know you. I, I didn't know you. You see, we can go through all of these hoops. We could say, hey, we did all of these great things in Jesus' name. Right? We gave all this money and we did all these good things and we gave away food and, and clothes and resources. And that's great. And again, I'm not demeaning any of those things. Right? The service is very important. We'll get to that here in just a moment. But when we boil our faith down to only those things, they become these empty rituals. And Jesus says, hey, I want more than that. I want more than your rituals. I want more than your brain. I want your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. I want every bit of who you are. That's what Jesus is asking for us. But so many of us, we boil faith down to a ritual. We boil faith down to coming to church on Sunday mornings. We boil it down to uh, just intellectual knowledge, right? I acknowledge who Jesus is with my brain, and I have the correct uh, theology above you know, that church down the road. Can you believe what they believe about this minute issue? That really doesn't have any effect on the way that we live our lives, right? Like, like we boil our faith down to these weird things, and we have to look at Jesus's ministry here and say, man, you know what? He's called us to something so much deeper, so much better than what we've boiled it down to. But so many times we get our faith wrong. We get it wrong by just having purely intellectual knowledge and boiling our faith down to rituals. And one more aspect too. It says that after he left the synagogue, he left and he went to someone's house. Take a look who it is. It's Simon's house. Now, this is Peter, uh, his disciple. He's not his disciple quite yet. He'll call him here in the next chapter. But it says that, uh, obviously, Simon was married because his mother-in-law had a high fever. And they appealed to Jesus on her behalf. They're, they're saying, hey, Jesus, I need you to come here. So Jesus stood over her and he rebuked the fever. That's really interesting. He's rebuking a fever. Fever. Now, we know a fever is just a symptom of an actual illness, right? They didn't realize that at that time. We know that now. But he's actually just rebuking the fever, and it leaves her. Like, that's how powerful Jesus is. He, he can just rebuke, like, a symptom, and the illness leaves. Like, it, it's incredible. Look at her response to this, his, his, his mother-in-law's response. 
It says that she immediately rose up and began to serve them. Like, I want you to think about this just for a moment because like, we read over this and we're like, okay, yeah, let's move on. But this is incredible. I mean, think about someone who just had a fever. Maybe you just had a fever, right? And it just subsides. How do you feel right now? Uh, probably pretty bad, right? Like probably like, uh, hey, I want to rest and make sure I don't push myself and get worse again, right? Like, hey, you know what? I just had a fever. I don't feel the best. I'm going to go take a nap, right? Like this is not my, my day to like go out and shovel the driveway or something like that. But she immediately just got up and began to serve them. I think that she gets this. Like she gets what it means to follow Jesus because she's serving. But so many of us, like we're saved and then we go, okay, here's, here's your job for the rest of your life. Show up to church from 10 a.m. to noon. And, um, you know, if you're lucky, you can pass out bulletins or something like that. But, uh, you know, don't get any crazy ideas, right? And you're like, wait a minute, what? Like that's not how church is supposed to be. That's not how our faith is supposed to be either. In fact, Scripture gives us this wonderful illustration of the body of Christ being like a body and everyone is a different body, body apart having a, 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 a unique gift and, and that we all need all of our body parts to work and so does the church. The church needs everyone to, to function the way that Christ designed us to function. But so many of us, we get Christianity wrong by not serving in any way. We miss out on this beautiful faith that Jesus has for us, this beautiful relationship by just making it all about us and saying, hey, uh, I'm not going to serve. I'm going to show up and I want to be fed spiritually and I want church to look the way that I want it to. And if it doesn't, then I'm going to go to a different church uh, where it does. James chapter 2 brings up this concept. He says, what good is it, brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed, lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things they need for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. We miss out if we are not serving, we, we, we miss out on this beautiful faith that Jesus has for us if we do not serve. And you might say, okay, so Josh, you're saying that we need like, um, like everything, right? Like our, more than just our brain. We need that, but we need more of it. We need the rituals, but we need more than just rituals. And we need service, but we need more than just service. Yes, Jesus is calling everything out. He's saying, hey, I want everything from you. And I think that at the end of the day, that many of us get Christianity wrong. We miss out on this beautiful faith that Jesus has for us because we boil it down to just one simple category because it's a lot easier for us. Like, let's be honest. It's a lot easier to leave things at intellectual knowledge than the life-transforming power that Jesus has for our heart. Like, that's hard. Like, that's really hard to say, Jesus, I want you to transform my heart because it admits that we are wrong and it admits that Jesus needs to change us and change is really, really hard. It's really, really difficult. And it's a lot easier just to leave it at intellectual knowledge and rituals and not serving and being self-centered. That's the easy way. You see, the way that Jesus designed it, it's, it's tough. It could be really difficult for us to be transformed by him. And quite frankly, it can hurt. You know, I, I kind of think about it 
as, as like an athlete, you know, like they go through this training and it's really, really stinking hard, right? Like if you've ever tried to get in shape, like it hurts. But like once you are in shape, you're like, oh man, so worth it. So, so worth it. And I'm telling you, like, listen, I, I am not in shape, right? But spiritually, I want to tell you, listen, spiritually, it's worth it. From someone who has allowed Jesus to transform his heart, it's worth it. It is completely, 100% worth it. It's worth the pain. It's worth the pain of saying, hey, I've, I've gotten this thing wrong. I've made my faith all by myself. I've made my faith just into intellectual nonsense and I've boiled it down to what it's not. I've boiled it down to rituals and just Sunday morning stuff and I haven't served. Jesus is calling us and he's saying, hey, I want your heart, your soul, and your mind. I want it all. I want every aspect of who you are. And when we say, you know what, Jesus, you can have this, but I'm keeping this. It doesn't allow us to obtain this glorious life that Jesus is saying, I want you to have. Because Jesus says, hey, I've come to give you life and life to the fullest. So he's saying, hey, not only have I come to save you from eternal damnation, that when you die, you'll go to heaven if you choose me as your personal Lord and Savior, but I also want to give you a brand new life right here, right now, and transform you and give you a brand new life right here on earth. Like Jesus is offering that to every single one of us. And it is really hard. It's really hard to change. It's really hard to be transformed. And it might be really awkward at some point too. Some people might look at you and go, hey, like, you, I, I thought you were this way. Are, are you not that way anymore? And you're going to have these awkward conversations, but it can be really good. It can be really good for you to communicate, hey, look at what Jesus has done to me. I want him to do that for you too. We can have these conversations, but we've got to be real with each other. We've got to be real with ourselves and say, man, what if I boiled my faith down to? So let me ask you a question. Have you fallen into any of these traps? Have you made your faith only about your intellect? Have you made your faith all about yourself? Have you not served? Have you boiled faith down into simple rituals? And what aspect is Jesus calling you to give over to him right here and right now? You know, maybe you're saying, man, I, I think I have. I, I've gotten this Christianity stuff wrong. I've gotten, I've gotten this totally wrong. And maybe you're, you're watching this and you're not a Christian and, and, and you're saying, man, you know, I, I, I thought Christianity was this one thing because this is how it was portrayed. But the more I think about it, the more I'm like, no, those people just had it wrong. The, what Jesus is offering to me, I, I want this. I want this. If, 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 if you want to make that decision today, we would be honored for you to do that. We want to walk alongside you. We want to help for Jesus to transform your life. And I want to be honest, we'll make mistakes along the way and we'll admit it. And we'll say, hey, we made a mistake. And we'll do that together. We want to offer that to you. We want to celebrate with you. And if you're saying, man, I've already accepted Jesus, but I've just gotten this thing wrong. We want to help you to trans for Jesus to transform your life too. We want for Jesus to transform every single one of us day in and day out. So let's do this. Let's not get our faith wrong any longer. 
Let's not boil it down to being self-centered and not serving and boiling down with rituals or only intellectual knowledge. Let's give Jesus everything that we are. I want you to imagine, what would your life look like if you just gave God everything that you have? Your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength, your money, your resources, your thoughts, your words, your actions. Like if you just gave Jesus everything that you are, how would your life look? How would it look differently than how you're living your life right now if you said, you know what, I'm done getting this thing wrong. I'm going to follow Christ with everything that I have. What would you change about your life? What would God transform in your life if you gave everything over to him? Yeah, I know it'll hurt. I know it's going to be really difficult. But it's totally worth it. Let me pray for you. Jesus, we thank you so much for everything that you are and everything that you offer to us. So, God, help us to be the people who you've called us to be. Help us to be the moms and the dads and the kids and the employees and the friends and the neighbors who you've called us to be. Jesus, we love you not because we're some great people, but God, because you looked at us in our own sinfulness. And you loved us, and you extended that grace and forgiveness and mercy. Jesus, help us to do that well. Help us to love you well. Help us not to get this thing wrong. Help us to give everything that we are to you and allow for you to transform us from the inside out. In Jesus' name.
Well, hey, thanks so much for joining us today. We truly believe again that it was not by accident that you heard this message. And so we truly, truly, truly want to ask you to look at these reflection questions. Look at them. Allow God to transform your heart from the inside out and do the work that only He can do so that you can live the life that He designed you to live. We love you, church. Have a great week, and we'll see you next weekend.